This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Matthew chapter 4 is where we left off last week. Now, if you've been attending Commission for a while, you know that we are we, we are what we call ourselves a spirit-filled, Bible-based church, which means we love to learn the Word verse by verse and in context and in accuracy as to what the Word of God is trying to teach us. We will never grow as Christians unless and until we're disciplined to the study of the Word of God. Uh, we have been in a sermon series uh, in the Gospel according to Matthew. Uh, it's th- that's all we, we're calling it. We're calling it the Gospel according to Matthew. If you scan that QR code, uh, it'll take you to the Bible app. <clears throat> Excuse me, the Bible app, which I hope that you have on your phone. If you don't download, it's a great resource. Uh, we have hosted all of our notes on the Bible app. So you can take notes on the Bible app as you go. Uh, I want to be certain that this is not our church app. It's the Bible app uh, that's popular on the App Store or the Google Play Store that you can download. Uh, in, in Matthew's gospel, we're introduced to a Jesus that uh, a lot of new Christians can relate with in a very, very powerful way. Uh, <clears throat> Today, I kind of wanted to finish off where we started last week. We kind of started talking about uh, the temptation of Jesus from Matthew chapter number four. So Matthew chapter number four from verse one to four, uh, I know we made very slow progress, but it was kind of like a very important piece of the temptation or the, the narrative, the biblical narrative of the first encounter that Jesus had with the tempter, with Satan, who was tempting him. It's, a, it's a, the first record, at least, that we know. Was Jesus tempted before that? He's around 30 years at this moment. Uh, I am going to say that he probably was, but there is no written record of it till this day. Uh, and right before Jesus trails off into his ministry and uh, goes and starts off this ministry that his father has set him onto for the next three years, we're going to see how Jesus is going to be tempted by the devil. Uh, he is led by the Spirit. This is important to understand. He is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And once he's in the wilderness, the enemy takes it upon himself to start tempting Jesus. We spoke about this last week, and uh, we said that uh, as Christians and believers, temptation is not a sign that you and I are weak in our faith, or the fact that temptations exist in Christian lives is not a sign that you and I are weak in our faith. As a matter of fact, it's a sign that you and I are maturing as Christians, that we talked about how the teacher doesn't give a test until she's taught or he's taught you the lesson. And unless God sees that you are fit and you are ready to take on a test, God will not put it before you. So the Spirit of the Lord led Jesus, fully knowing that Jesus is prepared for this very moment. And what we're about to unravel and learn is how Jesus takes on this temptation and teaches us how, in turn, to take on this temptation and deal with it. We talked about how we cannot avoid temptation, but we can overcome temptation. We talked about this last week. We talked about how you can, you can follow Christ without suffering. You can follow Christ without suffering, but I don't think you can ever become uh, like Christ without suffering. Becoming like Christ 
involves suffering. How do you know that, Pastor Oshish? Because the Bible says that. The Bible says in Philippians 3 and verse 10, we talked about this last week, that I may know him, who Jesus. This is a popular passage. We always like talk about the first part of that passage when we say that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Like we're so happy about that verse. But then we skip out on the next part, which says, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. It's so important for us to understand this concept that you and I are called to be believers of Jesus Christ, not just followers. We're called to be believers and that identify with him, that become like Christ through his suffering. Temptation is a form of suffering. We'd rather bypass that last part where the suffering part, and we, we think that as Christians, we don't need to suffer, so to speak. But I pray that we would not be so anxious about the seasons of trials and suffering and trials and temptations in our life that, you, that, that you're so anxious to get out of that season that you don't get anything out of it. It's important that temptations that come your way teach you things and train you in order for you to be well equipped for the next temptation that's soon going to come. And we're going to study that this morning. So you'll never grow out of temptation. This is something that we talked about last week. But what we're going to focus on this week is how then did Jesus overcome temptation? I'm going, to, I'm going to give you three points. Are you ready for this? Three points. How did Jesus overcome temptation? And how can you and me overcome temptation on a regular basis? One, the first thing that Jesus did was he called Cap. Now, this is a, uh, it's a modern uh, lingo that these youngins use uh, instead of lying, okay? Now, a lot of young people have told me, Pastor, please don't use terminology like that. Please, no, just, just stop. You're too old for that. But I'm going to use it anyway because I want a reaction out of them. They're sitting here and they're like cringing, but I want it. He caught cap. <laughs> two times, two times. The tempter comes and looks at Jesus and says, hey, I'm tempted. Make these stones bread. Jesus looks at him like last week we said, and he said, he quotes him the scripture and he says, hey, this is what the word says. The second time he comes up, and this is what the Bible says. I'm going to read this passage. Matthew chapter 4, verses 5 to 11. The Bible says this, and the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. This is temptation number two. And Jesus responded and says again, I want to tell you again, Satan, you shall not put the Lord your God to test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and its glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And verse 11, and the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Okay, powerful passage. But the first challenge that the enemy says is he took, takes him to this high point, sets him on the pinnacle of the temple and says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. I want to make a statement here today. The Bible says, or this is what the word says, or Jesus said, or the Bible says so, okay? I want, I want you to hear this out, has been weaponized by the devil throughout history. Has been, has been used as a weapon by people 
has been used by Satan himself in this verse for their own strategies, for their own benefits. The Bible has been used to twist and misinterpret the scripture throughout history. The Bible has been used to justify the oppression and the killing of groups and groups of people throughout history. Wives obey your husband or women keep silent in the church has been weaponized and has been the biblical justification of the misogynistic treatment, mistreatment, and the abuse of women in the body of Jesus Christ. It was the weaponized use of slaves obey your masters that became the justification of the killing of millions of people throughout history. Should I say the names? The devil knows how to quote scripture. Remember every person that comes to you saying, the Bible says, or Bible says, does not necessarily need to be anointed by God or be filled by the Spirit of God. Jim Jones quoted, quoted the scripture. Idi Amin quoted the scripture. David Koresh quoted scriptures. Hitler himself quoted scriptures. Don't just believe someone because they throw scripture at you. And when I say this, I want to mean it with everything I have. And I'm talking about pastors. I'm talking about leaders. I'm talking about priests and bishops and apostles and prophets. I'm talking about every person that categorizes, uh, pr promotes themselves, put a tag on themselves, you know, ordains themselves, uh, you know, gives them titles and, and all of that stuff. I'm talking about, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about everybody out there that you need to be careful and discern who you listen to. We have a lot of YouTube theologians now. The latest is TikTok theologians. Oh, man. Oh, man. Let me tell you, please do not do your Bible study on TikTok. <laughs> this is one of the most dangerous places to study the Lord. Well, oh, Pastor, I, I did my devotional today. Where? TikTok. No, no, no. No, bro, no. There's so much of stuff that, that goes on and is said from pulpits and said from channels and, and, and mass amount of subscribers that people have because people just concoct stuff, say stuff, social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook is filled with people who says, this is what the Bible says. And they say it with so much authority. And I'm like, really? Is that really what the Bible says? Jesus rejects Satan's use of scripture. But it's the scripture. It doesn't matter. It matters what mouth it came from. There are people sitting over here. Man, I, you might be a professing Christian. You might be a believer. Oh, Holy Ghost filled. I am, I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I have a pep in my step. I do the Holy Spirit two-step. It doesn't matter, man. You are all on fire for Jesus. But we don't want to hear the words that come out of your mouth, bro. Your coworkers, I don't know if they'll say that you're Christian. I don't know if your wife and your husband think you're Christian. Because we have big talk. But when it comes to acting it out, it's a whole different ballgame altogether. And I want to challenge us today as to what we are doing with the word of God. Jesus discerns truth from lie. He takes this misinterpretation of scripture. Here's my thing. I want to, I want to encourage, how do we do this? How do we understand? How do we know, pastor, what is from God? What is from, from the devil? How do we know if the enemy is quoting scripture? Or, or how do we know that you're not the devil, pastor? Here you go. I'm giving you three things, okay? Three things. Point number one. Point number one. 
When you listen to the word of God, remember to ask some crucial questions. Ask these questions. Question number one, is this scripture quoted correctly? I had somebody the other day, pastor, don't worry, you know, uh, everything will work out. The Bible says God helps those who help themselves. I was like, what? I was like, the gospel according to who? There are people that money is the root of all evil. The Bible says that. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say, Timothy, uh, Paul doesn't tell Timothy money is the root of all evil. He says it's the root of all kinds of evil. It's important. Like, it's important to know your word. And a lot of us, if we don't know our word, we will just say amen to everything and anything. I love you, man. I love you so much. You have those people that come up to you in the, in the stuff that you're going through, the circumstances. Like, Chris, God works in mysterious ways. That's what the... No, no. Bible doesn't say it. Sounds good. Bible don't say that. No, it doesn't. Some of them will come up. You're going through a hard time, brother. Bible says, don't worry. Be happy. Uh-uh. No, no. Uh-uh. Stop right there. Ain't not what the Bible says. The, <laughs> that's an old country song. I, I don't know who said it, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> Second thing that you have to ask yourself is this. Is it read out of, in context? Is what I'm reading, is what I'm hearing, is what this guy is saying, is this what this TikToker is saying, is this what this influencer is saying, actually read in context? Okay, you cannot skew things out of context. You have to be in context. Satan says, jump, because the word of God says, jump. What? No. He's quoting Psalms 91, verse 11 and 12, where the Bible says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Man, Satan's familiar with Psalms 91. Can I make a blunt statement? It is possible to have scripture in your mouth and Satan in your heart. Ooh. Some of y'all are not going to like this message. The enemy is skewing the scripture and saying, man, use your power, use your ability to keep you from dying. Oh. And Jesus is like, man, this is my purpose and you're using scripture to derail me from my purpose. You cannot take out of context what the word of God says and use it to my circumstance and say, oh brother, this is the way you're feeling. So let me take a bunch of scripture and let me, let me put it around you and let me make sure that you feel good about, no, 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 that's not what scripture is. You gotta use every scripture in the context for which it was intended for. I don't have time to go into this, but this is a message on its own. But the point three is this. Is this scripture being misinterpreted? There's a difference between out of context and misinterpreted. Okay? Do not, the, 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 the Bible is, the, Jesus is looking at him and saying, man, do not test the Lord, your God. What Jesus is trying to tell him is, man, you want me to jump of my own will and then expect God to save me? I'm, I'm, I'm going to touch some, touch some nerves right now, okay? You want me to put God in a situation where he has to keep me from the consequence of a decision I made that was not in God's will? Am I talking to somebody? Like the enemy's good at that. 
We talked about Adam and Eve last week. Like, do you want me to make a decision that is not originally in God's will, but you want me to make a foolish decision? You want me to do something so silly to the point where God's like, man, I, I, God's probably going to start using that word. I, I can't help those who can't help themselves. That's how it is. And I want us to, I want us to catch on to this. You want me to jump and expect faith to keep me from falling and dying. That's what Jesus is asking. You want me to use faith as an excuse for foolishness. You're misinterpreting the scripture. It's not what it is. Oh, brother, but the Bible says for he has not given us a spirit of fear. But, but, yeah, what, but, but what? But what? Don't stop there. But what? Thank you. Oh, you forgot that. Oh, pastor, yeah, yeah. He has not given us a spirit of fear. Printed on all the t-shirts. But what about the sound mind? Like, he's like, yes, I don't want you to fear, but I also want you to have a sound mind. This is important, church. It's so important to take, take it not just in context, but don't misinterpret this scripture, okay? He has not given you a spirit of fear, but power and love and that of a sound mind. Back to the text. First thing he did, Jesus did, was he looked at the enemy and he called his bluff. That's what he did. He called his bluff. He said, no, you're lying. He said to him, all these things I will give you, and you will, if you fall down and you worship him. You know why Jesus knew that it was bluff? You know why he knew that it was lies galore? Because here's the thing. He said, man, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. What is he promising? He's promising him power. He's promising him prominence. He's promising him prosperity. He's promising him authority, notoriety. He's, pro he's promising him wealth. And you know what the funny thing is? Jesus read right through the lines, and you know what he was saying? Satan, Jesus, Jesus is like, man, you're trying to offer me what you actually can't deliver. Like the kingdoms and the splendor thereof belongs to God, bro. It doesn't belong to you. It wasn't yours to give in the first place. I want to remind somebody, power is not wrong. Prominence and prosperity isn't inherently evil. There's nothing sinful about wanting to be the CEO of your company. There's nothing wrong about wanting to make money. There's nothing ungodly or godly about being at the bottom. You can have all authority and still be righteous. You can have, you, you can be well known and, 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 you know, people know you, people know your name and you can still be humble. You can get paid a lot, but still be godly. I want to remind us, but what does Jesus do? Jesus reads right through the line and he turns it down. He says, no. I am encouraging somebody when you're faced with temptation, as cliche as it may sound, we've titled this message today, say no, because it's important to look at the enemy and say no. And Jesus answers this question by one thing. He says, no. Because the enemy shows what he can't give and Jesus sees right through it. The, the devil is trying to offer something that wasn't even his. See, the kingdom of the world belonged to God. The Bible teaches us that. Genesis 1, 1, God created the heavens and the earth. In Psalms 24, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Do you hear what the enemy say? I'll give you everything. Bro, my daddy owns everything. I don't know what you're talking about. 
Verse, Psalms 50, the beasts and the cattle and the silver and the gold is mine. Joel chapter 12, everything that breathes and lives is in the hand of God. First Corinthians 4, everything we have comes from the hand of God. It wasn't yours to offer. You can't sell a car that you're leasing, can you? That'd be dumb. Yeah, I'm here to trade in my car. Do you own it? Nope. Send you right back. See what Luke's account says. Luke talks about the exact temptation of Jesus. And he says, verse 5, and the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Can we park here for a second? This is important. Luke makes a very keen observation as Jesus talks to him about his experience with his temptation. The Bible says the devil shows him the kingdoms and offers it to him in an instant. In a moment, someone say moment of time. Literally saying, man, you can have it that quick. You can have it that easily. Just blink, Jesus. Just say the word, Jesus, and it's yours. Oh, man, if that isn't seductive, what is? Instant gratification. Oof. Jesus maybe turned it down because, man, what's easily or quickly attained, or that success that's easily or quickly attained isn't easily sustainable. He knew that God had sent him on a mission that was long-term, as quickly as you get it, as, as easily you could lose it. And I want to encourage somebody today. There's no shortcut to sustainable prominence. There's no shortcut to lasting wealth. There's no shortcut to true power. And these are the things, in a blink of an eye, in a moment, he shows Jesus and says, do you want it? Give me an answer right now. See, this generation feels like they need to have power and success immediately. It's instantaneous. No bypassing, hard work, man. There's, there's never a shortcut. You know what that's called? It's called a spirit of rebe rebellion. That's what the prodigal son was. He said, Dad, I want mine and I want it now. That which was supposed to be given to the sons when the father passed away, he looks and says, I don't care what you have. I don't care what the rule is. I don't care what tradition says. I want what I want and I want it this is, this is important, church. You can't shoot up the ladder. You have to climb the ladder. You have to go through the process. The process is overcoming opposition. The process is taking a loss. The process is sometimes sitting at the feet of Jesus. Sometimes it's, it's sitting on the ground level. Sometimes it's accepting disappointments and it's accepting failure. Sometimes it's accepting suffering and to pay your dues. Sometimes it's to carry the coffee and the donuts. It's to be that intern. And you're like, you're, you're, you're like crying over and you're wondering why your time is not coming. But without the lessons learned, you don't have the character. Some of us need to take that licking, man, and keep on ticking. Hmm. Jesus knew if he was to be faithful, man, if he was going to be faithful in this moment of testing and trial, he knew one thing, that in God's time, God will bless him. God will raise him. God will order my steps. And I'm here to encourage somebody sitting in this place. If you're going through a season like he is going through, do not fret. Your time will come. 
You know, one of the biggest things is looking at people around you, seeing them blessed, seeing them have cars, seeing them have homes and houses and children. And you're like, God, when is my time going to be coming? When am I going to be blessed? But reminding yourself that my steps are ordered by God. My future is in the hands of God. So chapter number four, Jesus is offered the kingdoms of the world. He is faithful to the plans of God, man. He preaches the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. He heals the sick. He, he heals the blind and the lame and raises the dead. He preaches the kingdom again. He's, he, it leads him to Calvary where he's rejected and he's put to death. The next day he's, he's crucified on the cross, resurrects three days later. And that same Jesus that rejected the vices of Satan three years ago, in Matthew 28, he stands up and he says, all power is given unto me on heaven and on earth. Come on, somebody. He releases the great commission, standing at the moment of his biggest victory. The point of victory that nobody sees except a few people. Man, sometimes your disappointments, everybody will see. The moments of pain and crisis, you're going to be crucified on a cross and the world is going to see it. But when you reveal yourself and God reveals himself to you and when your moment of glory happens, it's probably going to be a 12-person experience. It's going to be a few people around you that you actually look at and say, I am witness that because I waited, because I trusted, because I stood my ground, my God shall supply all my needs. He turns down Satan's offer for earthly power and, and declared that being faithful with his father brought him more than actually what Satan offered. Can I tell you that God's eternal authority trumps temporary power? No matter what you're going through in your life, if you're seeking worldly power, man, it's, it's temporary. But faithfulness always pays off. It takes some more time. It's, some, it's so much more painful, but righteousness will pay off. Integrity will always pay off. Steadfast prayer will always pay off. Paying your tithes will pay off. Giving to the kingdom of God your time, your resources, your family will pay off. Faithful stewardship of your gifts will pay off. Being truthful and honest will pay off. Forgiveness pays off. Loving your enemies and holding on to God always, it pays off. I'm going to move on. How did Jesus overcome temptation? First, he called Cap. He called the enemy's bluff. And two, he looked at the price tag. I want you to listen closely. For Jesus, the compromise was not worth the cost or the consequence. I need you to hear me as, as intently as you can hear me today, because if you've not heard anything else, listen to this. When you compromise your calling to attain power or prominence or prosperity, you are selling your soul to the enemy. And I am asking somebody today, stay true to your calling at all times. Satan looks at him and says, just bow down to me, man. You can have it all. Just do this one act. You know what temptation tells you? Just bow down to me. In an instant and everything will be okay. Everything will be fine. I, I want you to understand the context of this verse because it's important. The people 
that this that, that were reading this message are people that were under continual temptation to compromise their faith in order to enter the favor of the Roman Empire or to be in Roman service. And there's this underlying suggestion and encouragement that Jesus is like, what am I going to give up today if I fall in for this temptation? And my question to each one of us is, what are we willing to give up today? How much are you willing to compromise to be willing to be wealthy? Are you willing to post provocative pictures in social media to be an influencer? To get the likes, to get the following? Are you willing to compromise in your own commitment to holiness, to be well known? You can see me hinging on these three things that the devil is challenging Jesus with. Are you okay and willing to cheat to get ahead? Are you okay with falsifying your taxes? Are you okay with boosting your resume or lying on your resume or lying on your job application? Are you okay with that? Here's the crazy part. Here's the hook. Are you ready for this? Satan tries to isolate you to tempt you. This, because when you isolate, when he can get you to isolate yourself, you don't have wise counsel. You don't have people that can pray with you, that can talk to you. Come on, am I talking to somebody? Hmm. Never lead yourself to a point where you are, you're unable to be coached, where you're unable to be spoken over, where somebody can pray over you, where you can seek counsel. Don't rely on yourself to make those decisions. It's a dangerous place to be. You see what he does? He takes him to the most, the, into a solace place, into a place of, 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 of loneliness. Mm. And the thing is this, no one needs to know. That's the hook. No one needs to know. It's just you. And I said this last week. What are you doing when you're alone? What are you doing when you are hungry? There are so many things that lead us to temptation. And my question to us is, what do we do when we are in moments of loneliness? What do we do? This is important because if you do it, no one will ever know. It will be between us is one of the biggest baits that the enemy can use against you. Nobody will know. Do it. Bite it. You can do this and nobody will find out. Come on. Have you been there? But can I remind somebody today, someone's always watching. And yes, I'm not just talking about the Lord Jesus. I'm just not talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about God the Father watching. I am saying that people are always watching. There's somebody that's always watching. And I want to repeat myself today. The Satan is a liar. He will turn on you in an instant. That's what the devil is. He's a liar. Someone say liar. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. He builds his kingdom through deception. He'll look at you and say, no one's watching. And when it comes back, he'll be like, me? I wasn't even there. I didn't say anything. But am I asking myself the question, if I give in to this temptation, what am I going to lose? If I bow down the cost of my witness, my testimony, my mission, my vision, what am I going to lose? You know what is more powerful and more valuable than that power and that peace and the prosperity that devil promises you through temptation? I'll tell you what it is. It is the peace of God. I won't trade the peace of God for anything in this world. When you lay down to sleep at night, there's nothing more valuable than hearing the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want to trade my peace for anything, y'all. 
Sin always has its consequences. I have to ask myself that question every single day. Ashish, if you give in to this temptation that's knocking, and I have many that come my way, if I give in, if I say yes, if I cave in, what am I going to lose? Can I give you a few things on that list? A few things on that list is if I give in to temptation, I'm talking about any temptation, I will lose the trust and the respect of my best friend who happens to be my wife. Am I talking to somebody like I would lose that? Seven years or, or more than seven, seven we've been married, but more than that, years of trust and love I will lose in a moment because temptation told me, go ahead, it's going to make you feel good. My children that love me and adore me will stop seeing me around as often. The, the amazing people that I get to do life with, Sunday after Sunday, week after week, the amazing group of servant leaders that I get to serve with. I'm trying to encourage somebody here today through what I'm saying. I need you to look at everything before you bite it. Remember there's something that the enemy has to offer that's so attractive, but Satan is so good at making an offer but man, he's good at cutting off the price tag. He's good at, be, beware of those, that, that, the stuff that you see on the shelves, man, that doesn't have a price tag on it. You'll be, you'll be surprised. You'll be taking it to the, to the cashier and be like, I just want to check the tag. And they tell you the price and you're like, okay, all right, never mind. There's a reason it doesn't have a price tag on it. <laughs> yeah, there's a restaurant right around the corner. Everyone says it's good. But they don't have prices. They don't have a menu online. I refuse to go there. I don't trust it. Don't. Simply don't trust. You know what I'm saying? Like if you, there's something you're hiding. If you're not trying to show me, uh, maybe I don't have the money to go. Where are you going? It's just not something I want to do. Like, like Jesus looked at the price tag. He said, what is the price that I have to pay? It looks good, but you're not thinking about how it's going to affect your family. It looks good, but he's only giving you a quick glance at the pleasure and the benefit that you're going to get out of it. Like you're not even looking and thinking about the sleepless nights. Oh, come on. I'm, I'm, I need to talk to somebody. You're not looking and thinking about the demanding schedules or the, or the kids that you're probably going to use, about that extra time that you will have to give your employees if you take that promotion or you take up that position or all of that stuff that would otherwise go to your kiddos. You're not thinking about all that. The temptation to give in is so good. You're not thinking about the anxiety and the panic attacks and all of that because you don't want to pray about it. You just wanted to jump into it. You're not thinking about the diseases that you will carry as a result of, as, as a result of those actions that you will commit. I'm just being blunt and honest this morning. We don't sugarcoat things over here. You're not thinking about the fact that, man, if I don't give to the Lord and if, I don't, if I'm not faithful in my giving, I'm actually robbing God. Oh, that church is good. It's, it's fine. They look like they're fine. They, they're going to get by. No, no, it's not the church you're giving to. It's the Lord you're giving to. It's, it's God that you're honoring. Please don't give to a church. You are giving to the Lord and you're just giving through this church for the kingdom of God. So please, don't, you're not doing me a favor. You are robbing God when you say, oh, the church doesn't need it. It's not for the church. How did Jesus overcome temptation? A, he caught cap. Two, he looked at the price tag. I'm about to close. Third is he exercised authority. Listen to this very clearly. Verse 10. Verse 10. He says, 
get thee behind me. He says, get away. And Jesus said to him, be gone. Someone say, be gone. It's as simple as that. He didn't fast and pray. He didn't ask people to lay hands on him. In your loneliest of times, remember that you have the authority over every power of the enemy to tell him to be gone. And it all takes just a verse. It says, be gone. And verse 11 says, then the devil left him. As it's, someone say it's simple. It is not complicated. Jesus realizes that Satan is exercising his power, but Jesus realizes that he has authority. Someone say authority. Oh, but guess what's better? What's better is that Satan knows that you have authority. Because the Bible says the devil left him immediately. He said, be gone. There was no argument. There was no debate. There was no buts and ifs. It was a be gone. All right, see you later. Oof. Some of you are like, Pastor, I, I don't think it's that easy with me, Pastor. I get it. I get it. Uh, trust me, I get it. Jesus is like, man, you're, you're offering me authority over this earth. I'm, I have authority over you. See, this is important because he was questioning his authority because there was no precedence before this. I want you to listen to this. There was no precedence. There was, this was before water turned into wine. Come on, am I talking to somebody? This was before he cast out the demons. It was before the dead were raised. It was before he started walking on water. It was before he fed the thousands. Satan thinks that Jesus doesn't know what he has. And he's like, if I can just convince him that he doesn't have anything, maybe he'll bite. That constant pressure of saying, man, in order to get what he has and she has and they have, you got to do this and this and this and this. You have a bunch of people that encourage you to do that too. See, fish that aren't hungry don't bite no matter what you throw in front of it. Are you filled so much with God that nothing seems attractive? Come on, am I no matter how big, no matter how bulky, no matter how fresh, no matter how, how much it wiggles, it, it does not matter. I am filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm filled with the Word of God. I'm filled with prayer. I'm filled with fasting. I am full. Mm. Satan will often show us a splendor in people and the splendor will bind us and it will blind us. But, but I want to tell you this, man, you, you might be challenged. I don't have the car that they have. I don't have the house. I don't have the position. I may not have what you have, but I'm called. I'm blessed. I'm an anointed. I'm set apart. And that's the decision that some of us need to make today. I will not give in to temptation. I will not say no. Someone say, say no. So what do I have to do? I'm done, I'm, I'm done. John, you can come up. I'm gonna give you a game plan. You ready? Football season's about to start. They have game plans. How many of y'all ready for flag football? We're ready, guys are ready, but when you go in with a game plan, you know what you're actually doing. Your team knows what you're doing. Every coach has a game plan. Every coach has some plays that are drawn out. And today I wanna give you some plays that we're gonna draw out. Are you ready for these plays? Y'all ready? All right. Game plan, point number one is this. How do I avoid temptation? Be in the will of God. Be in the will of God. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was able to say no because he started well. Those who start well have a higher chance of ending well. And those who start well, remember the temptation is more for you not to end well. 
but to stand and say, no matter what comes my way, I'm not going to give in to the vices of the enemy. It's so important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's so important to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you. Holy Spirit, will you give me the power to overcome temptation? That's a constant question that you need to ask. Can I tell you something? You, the Holy Spirit cannot fill you if you're full of yourself. If you think you got this, the Holy Spirit's like, why do you need me? You got this. Go, go ahead. Go, do, do what you got to do. And sometimes the Holy Spirit is going to want to stretch you. He's going to do things like taking you to the wilderness and you're like, God, why? I'm Jesus. Some of us are like that. We're like, what did I do, Lord, to deserve this? Me. Poor me. Jesus had more case than anybody to argue that. But man, God has a way of stretching you. Stretching you so much to where he's like, man, this is going to make you better. This is going to make you sweeter. This is going to be amazing. Point number two, always look at the price tag. Think about what you're going to give up. Never for a second give in to something that will cause you to lose something bigger. No matter how attractive it is. Third, exercise your no muscle. Someone say no muscle. Means guard your heart. It means learn to teach your spirit, teach your heart to say no. I still remember uh, a good friend of mine that I first met in Houston. He moved to California. I hadn't seen him in a long time. Um, got married. I was there at his wedding. Um, a few years passed by. Didn't, didn't meet him for a few years and finally got a chance to meet him in California. And uh, I still remember uh, he had a little child back, back then, a little daughter. And uh, this, this little one was so vibrant, so filled with so much joy and I've seen pictures and videos and I couldn't wait to meet her. And I still remember parking my rental car in front of their house and make my way. I bought, bought this little toy for her and I was ready, getting ready to go see my friend and of course his, his wife and his beautiful daughter. And I still remember going to, the weather's great in California so the front door was open and they had like the screen door and uh, walking up to the door, I see this, this little little girl running, scampering up to the, the front door and she comes running to the front door literally puts her face on the screen with her tongue sticking out and I was like, hi his tongue is still out and I go hi, I know her name but I'm like, what's your name? and she goes, no I got scared y'all I'm telling I've never been scared by a little girl, but that thing was like feisty. She was like maybe three, three and a half years old. No! I said, whoa, yo, I ain't gonna bite. I'm your father's friend. Didn't your dad tell you I was coming? You know, kind of a deal. And I see my friend running and coming, and she's like, it's like, it's okay, Naomi, tell her, tell him your name, tell him your name. No! And then he lets me in. He says, Pastor Osher, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. She was being rude, but said this, but don't mind he said, we have taught her to say no because she just loved going to anybody, talking to anybody. She, she would jump into anybody's arms, just get candy from anybody, you know. Hey, you want to come with me? Yeah, sure, let's go. <laughs> he said, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? It was weeks and weeks, he said, of training and coaching her to say, it's important to say no. And that was not the good part. He said this. He said something that stayed with me till today. He said, but this I know, that this one word 
will keep her in good stead when she grows up to be a young, beautiful woman. As I preach, brother, Holy Spirit, you are moving in this place. What a powerful message. That was so good. It was one of the best advices that I got. This is way before I was married, way before I had three girls of my own. It's a message that I'll never forget. Is that when you learn to say no and exercise that muscle, and sometimes you're going to offend some people. And sometimes your smile might turn into a no, and it might be stern, and might be really crass and rude to some, but it's okay. It's okay. I care about my soul. I care about my family. I care about my wife. I care about my marriage. I care about my job. I care about my commitment. I care about my integrity. I care about my honesty. I care about being truthful and honest. And that is more important to me than anything else that this world has to offer. The fourth thing is resist the devil. Someone say resist. Jensen, come up here real quick. Jensen, tell everybody what resistance training is. Jensen's about to, re Jensen, Jensen's about to, uh, Jensen and, and Julie's about to lead our, our fitness life group. Okay, so if y'all like me, okay, I'm going to be like pushing some of y'all to go sign up because uh, they're running out of space in their life group. But tell us what, what, what resistance life training is. Oh, okay. I'm not a trainer, first of all. <laughs> but it's when... I guess it would be when there's a force coming against you is to push back. Yeah, yeah. So, and that, that goes with weights, right? Like, is weights resistance training? And so, and, and that's good. Thank you so much. See, resistance training, that, that, that's, I, I didn't even give him a warning. I was like, I'm just going to call him out. For me, refusing to go to the gym is resistance training. You know what I'm saying? Like, when the force, like... The gym is from the devil, I'm telling you. It's better to shun the bait, okay, than struggle on the hook. And sometimes it's so important to remind ourselves the importance of saying no and resist and resist and resist. And sometimes that takes struggle. Like nobody that came out of the gym ever said, I feel so good. Like, resistance training hasn't worked. Anybody works out? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Because I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've heard about it. No, I used to, back when I used to go to the gym. But never did I go through a good training in the gym and come out saying, I feel so good. I feel amazing. Nothing hurts. Everything hurts. Like, literally. Literally, everything screams, go! Get into an ice bath and never go back to the gym. That, but, but you know it's working when you do that. It's a struggle when you have to say no and when you have to resist and when you have to practice it and make it and ex exercising and exercising and it's going to hurt and hurt and hurt. But through the hurt, you know, you're developing some muscles inside of you that the enemy cannot stand. Can I, can I hear an amen this morning? Hmm. Number five, build a habit. Here's the thing. To break a bad habit, you have to build a new one. Build some good habits that can automatically reject some bad habits in your life. Six, stop browsing. Someone say, stop browsing. I'm just, I'm just looking on Amazon. No, you're not just looking on Amazon. No, you're not. I'm just scrolling. No, no, you're not. I'm just going window shopping to the mall. No, you're not. You're eyeing something that you're going to go back tomorrow and buy or buy the same. 
It's like this guy, he said, uh, his wife said, called him one day at work and said, I want to go to the mall, Jeff. And he said, no, don't go to the mall. She said, why? Because I know what you do when you go to the mall. What? You always buy stuff. You spend too much money. No, I don't. Yes, you do. All right, I want to see you. Go to the mall. I want to see you not buy anything. So she goes to the mall. And she says, uh, she says, babe, I bought a dress. I bought, I bought a dress. She said, she said, I couldn't resist. And he said, what do you mean? He said, babe, I, she said, babe, I was in the dressing room and Satan himself appeared in the dressing room. And he goes, what did he say? And, he's, and she said, he said, you look good in that outfit. Why didn't you say, get thee behind Satan? And she said, I did. He said, then what happened? She said, he told me that it looks good from the back too. <laughs> oh man. Sometimes it's so important to say, no, I'm not going to browse. My dad would always tell me, an empty mind is a devil's workshop. You're always looking for things to browse. Like keep yourself occupied with things that are fruitful, things that are good, things that are, are, are growing, things that will benefit you. Have conversations with people that will, that will grow you. Disengage with things and circumstances that completely detach you from the presence of God. Seven, ask for help. Ask for help. If you are tempted, do not hesitate. It's not a sign of weakness to pick up the phone and say, Pastor, would you pray for me at this very moment? You know, this is spooky, but I'll tell you something. The number of times my youth pastor, when I was growing up, he would call me out of nowhere and he's like, Ashish, no, what's up? No, hey, how you doing? Ashish, yes, Pastor. What are you doing right now? Uh, 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 praying? No, you're not. No, no. <laughs> you're not. The Holy Spirit told me to call you right now and ask you what you're doing. Caught red-handed. Caught red-handed. Those are men that pray, women that pray, that know. You know, moms sometimes, they pray so much. <laughs> Sonia tells me this all the time. Her dad, when she comes back from college, when she used to be in college, she used to come back from college, dad would be like, how's college? How's school today? Good, dad. It was so good. She's like, you sure you went to college? You went to school? Yeah, I did go to school. No, you were at the movies, weren't you? How did you know, Dad? How did you? She skipped college, she skipped school, went to the movies, and Dad just knew because he's a prayerful father. It's crazy, it's spooky, man. But here's the thing. Sometimes you gotta ask for help. There are so many people that are just waiting to help you and you need to seek help. If you're tempted, there's something that you're going through, an addiction that you're going through, seek help. And the last is this, know the Word of God. Know the Word of God. I'm going to leave you with this last statement. You will buy into any lie of the enemy if you do not know the truth. I'll say it one more time. You will buy into any lie of the enemy if you do not know the truth. Would you stand up to your feet with me? But there's one critical error that you and I can make with temptation. It's this, that if you feel that you have succeeded to resist temptation, 
to say no, thinking that you will never have to deal with it ever again. Put up that verse, that last verse, and in Luke's account of this writing, in chapter number four, in verse 13, the Bible says this, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. And it would come again on the cross three years later. It's amazing how much of resistance that Jesus had developed in three years that there's no record of the enemy really penetrating and getting through to him. But of course, I'm not Jesus. I have to encounter this day after day. But remember that when you overcome temptation one day, you're not saying goodbye to it. It's just not disappearing. You're going to have to deal with it again tomorrow. And what are you going to do? Are you going to brace yourself saying, this is what the Christian life is? There's moments that I have to embrace this and walk through this. But I want to remind you what I reminded you when I started this message. You cannot avoid temptation, but you can overcome temptation through the blood of Jesus. I want every eye closed and I just want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you today. If there's anything that you're praying about, we're just going to spend a few moments in worship. Just a few moments just worshiping God and I'm going to come back and I'm going to pray and I'm going to dismiss you. But I want you to just prepare your hearts today. Prepare your minds, prepare your hearts, prepare yourself. And say, God, would you speak to me? Speak to us, speak to our hearts, speak to our families. Speak to my life. I'm wrapping up this part on temptation, but if there's something that, something that you've been dealing with, church, if there's something that you've been struggling with, if there's something that has been bothering you, something that has been bringing you down, get help, ask someone to pray with you. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward and just make themselves available. I'm going to be available for prayer as well. If there's anybody that wants prayer, do not hesitate to come up. We'll pray for it, anything. It could be a physical ailment. It could be anything that you're dealing with, going through. We want to pray for it. But if temptation is something that you're really struggling with, an addiction you're surely struggling with, I want some of us to be honest today and bring it to the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, like I said last week, sometimes I love the addiction a little more than I love you. That's an honest claim to make, honest confession, but there's so much a healing that happens when you and I can come truthfully and honestly into the presence of God and say, I desperately need you, Jesus. And today I pray that we will be those people. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.